0: Okay, I'm pulling out of my driveway, so we all know that means it's time for Drive to Work. So today, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite sets of all time, Unglued. Um, and uh, this, I've I worked on a lot of sets, and I love all my children, uh, but Unglued is one of my pet favorites. Um, so let's talk about sort of how it came to be, and... Because it's a very different set uh, from a lot of other sets I've done, obviously. So, let's talk, in the beginning, where did the set come from? Okay, so, at the time, I, after Tempest was done, so I was, I was now a designer. People were thinking of me as being someone who did design. Um, and so, Joel Mick and Bill Rose came up with an idea for a set. Uh, I think at the time, Joel Mick was still the head designer developer. I believe it was that early, um, Joel would go, later go on to become the brand manager of Magic, but I don't think he had, that had happened yet. So they'd come up with this idea for a set that I think their idea was it would have a different color border because it would be cards we couldn't normally make. Now, they were very vague on what that meant. I think the idea was a set that sort of broke boundaries in some way and you know, allowed us to do things that we, we were normally constrained from doing. And so they came to me as kind of, you know, the -the out-of-the-box guy and said, we don't really know what this means. We don't know what to do with it, but we're looking for a set that is just, you know, it doesn't have to follow the rules of a normal set. Now, I think they were thinking more of things that, like, maybe the rules had trouble handling with, or I'm not even sure what they meant. But the interesting thing was, what they came to me was that very loose was like, okay, uh, different color border, which means you can do things that we can't normally do. Now, I said, okay, well, what do, what do I want to do? So the thing that inspired me, of all things interesting enough, was um, I used to do magic. Uh, you know, not the card game, but actual, like, poof. You know, here's a dove, although I never worked with doves. But uh, I did uh, magic for kids, mostly. I did kid shows, and I would, you know... Um, uh, I took a lot of lessons. And, and so one of the things that I, I did is I did a bunch of card tricks. Um, so there was this product that... Um, there was this brand of card people that made card tricks and all their cards you know looked the same because that was the brand of card they were. And so they had a deck of cards that each card just did weird things. Like, look, it's a black three of hearts. Oh, look, it's a nine and a half of clubs. Oh, look, it's a blank card. Oh, look, it's half of it's Ace of Spades and half of it's Ace of Hearts. and It just was a whole deck of weird cards. And the idea was, hey, here's neat things. You can come up with tricks you can do. We'll just kind of give you a smattering of neat things. Do whatever you want to do. And that inspired me to say, well, what if I made the set that just kind of did weird things and we'll let players do with it what they will? Um, The other thing that I really embraced, which wasn't actually given to me as a constraint, um, but it's who I am, is I loved the idea of a parody set, of a set that kind of had a sense of humor to it. Um, now, obviously, my background's in comedy writing, and so I sort of like, oh, well, if we're going to break, you know, break rules and stuff, maybe we'll also break the rules of flavor that will have a different tone to it. And so I came up with the idea of, look, let's make a set that's kind of fun and because one of the things that I, I really wanted to do with the onset, which I, I think it actually did a good job, or all the unsets so far, um, both unglued and unhinged, is say, hey, you know, yes, you can be very serious about magic. There's tournaments, there's all sorts of formats you can play where if you want to test yourself, magic provides that. But I really wanted to say, hey, you know what? Magic is also fun, you know, and it's goofy, and you can be casual about it, and that I wanted to make a product that said, hey, remind people that this was something that could be fun. And so, I really wanted to have a tone of the whole product that said, hey, you know, you don't take magic so seriously. So, the idea I had was, okay, I'm going to break every boundary I can. Um, And so, I did that a couple ways. Now, first off, I did not have a traditional design team like you think of nowadays. The way it worked is, I just went around to everybody, R&D and other people in the company, and said, I'm doing this wacky set. If you have an idea, send me your ideas. And so what happened was, the design team was kind of whoever wanted to give me stuff. Um, And then I took it and I tweaked it. And and the other thing I did a lot of was trying to figure out where we could could have fun. Um, So first off, I said, okay, I went and looked at cards that already existed, that we could parody existing cards. That was one space. And then I started saying, well, what can we do that normal cards can't do? Um... And I started looking at the rules, and I went to the rules people. I said, okay, give me all the stuff someone's tried to do that they can't do. I took all that stuff. Um, I also sat down with, with some of the graphic artists. Um, so Dan Jelen, uh, he's an artist, uh, works, at, works at Wizards um, doing graphic uh, design. And uh, Dan was my graphic designer for the set. And so Dan and I worked a lot with trying to come up with a, a look and feel for the set. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if it was Dan's idea or my idea, but we came, up, we came up with the idea that, you know, what if this the art in the set broke the frame? You know, that one of the ways to tell that this is not your ordinary product is the art isn't limited to the art box, if you will. Um, and so one of the defining qualities of the unset, uh, of Unglue, and later of Unhinged, was um, that the art itself kind of, you know, was able to break out of of the art box. And not only that, um, the way I I thought of the undesign was that the card had a cohesive whole to it. That if the card was doing something, the whole card committed to that thing. That the graphics weren't just an art thing. You know, for example, um, you know, if I wanted, uh, I mean, for example, there was a card where, uh, I think it's um, astronaut's coupon? Uh, There was a card that self-limited itself. Or is that... Well, I forget which card it is. Uh, there's a card that has a sticker on it. Like, I'm restricted, but, like, it's the errata is stickered on the card. And that was part of, like, you know, the, the effect of, well, we do this. Instead of just telling you it's one pearl, I'll, I'll have the whole joke of, oh, it's rotted on it. There's a sticker with errata. Um, uh, and then also I, I sat down with the graphic designers and I said, what visually can we do? And so they explained to me that because the way we lay out cards on a sheet we actually could have art crossover between cards. So, for example, free-for-all, there's a fight between the leprechauns and the pink elephants. Uh, and there is a leprechaun being knocked out of frame. And then on the card look... Uh, uh, What's the card? Um, on rubber, your glue, uh, that leprechaun has been knocked into that frame. So he was knocked off his sheet, or knocked off his card into another card. Um, and by having... Because the sheets were next to each other, we could do stuff like that. We could cross over the art, which is something we never normally could do. Um, The other thing that got suggested to me was the idea that because art could carry over, I got the idea of, well, could we have a card that was bigger than a single card? To which they said, oh, yes. And that's where BFM came from, is the idea that, um, you know, we could, uh, since we could cross over cards, I'm like, oh, well, we kind of need to have a creature so big that it had to be, You know, it's bigger than a single card. Uh, And I really latched on the idea of a card that's two cards. Um, And it's funny, by the way. Originally, it was a 100-100 creature with Trample. Uh, But we decided, for some odd reason, that this set wanted to follow the core set rules rather than the expert expansion rules... I don't know why that's the case, since so much about the set is so weird. But so instead of Trample, we had the Must Be Blocked by Three Creatures, because at the time, we weren't doing Trample in the core set. I don't know. Anyway, uh, weird things. Also, uh, Bill Rose asked me to change it from 100 to 99, because he didn't want to break, like, the the three-number barrier just yet. So that's why it's a 99-99, not 100-100. What else? So, um... Yeah, so we we thought and a lot of the cards we were trying to think of how we could stretch boundaries, how we could do things. So like mirror mirror by the way, I really really wanted to do mirror mirror the entire card in mirror image. Um, but I I was in the minority and enough people talked me out of it. Uh I in large respect I wish I had. Um, I think what we did is uh the text is mirrored, like mirror mirror the, the mirror and the mirrored version of it, but uh yeah, I really wish I had mirrored that. I uh the one thing that I love about uh unglued and unhinged is how many jokes we sort of cram into the set Um, one of my so one of the guidelines by the way when we made the cards was the following rule which is i wanted things to be funny but it couldn't just be funny meaning i didn't want to make a card that's funny for two seconds and then it had no play value that the card had to be funny but also play interestingly Um, and we messed around a lot with the kinds of cards we could do If you look at Unglued, for example, we had five cards that were multiplayer cards, which they were designed to be played in a multiplayer game. Um, We had tokens, which I I believe uh, is the first time we ever did tokens. Um, And if you notice in the tokens in Unglued, I didn't put any power toughness on them, and I didn't even label them because I wanted them to be a little more uh, open. So, for example, we had a, a soldier token, but, like, is it a citizen? Is it a soldier? You know... Like it could be any kind of human that you could make, um, and we assigned them to colors that th- those tokens would make those colors. Um, I remember we went around and around about what tokens to make. I ended up having to make sheep tokens because, or sorry, squirrel tokens because that set made squirrels. Um, and uh, but the token, anyway. The, the, so one of the one of the ongoing things that uh, I, I believe strongly about the unsets is they have proven to be great. Um, proving grounds, the sort of uh, advanced work. So much stuff we've done in the unsets have gone on to become staples of magic. The token cards are a perfect example where, like, I was just trying to do something neat and different, and now it's just something that's, you know, every packet has uh, token cards in them. Um, Oh, the other thing is the lands. Let me talk about the lands for a second. So, what happened was, uh, Chris Rush, who's the artist that did Black Lotus and, you know, numerous other cards in the game, used to work at Wizards. Um, and he and I were traveling to some event, I don't know, Origins or something, and he started talking about how he had this awesome idea for land cards, and what he said was, he said, look, everyone knows what land cards do, you know, why don't we make use of the whole card? Like, take, you know, let's take the illustration and just make the whole card, you know, the art, and that people know what they do, you know, you don't, you just need the word forest on them, and, um... And I always thought it was a neat idea, but somehow Chris could never never made it happen. So I'm like, okay, I was trying to do different things. I like, go, well, what if it'd be neat if we do lands and make the lands kind of different? Um, and in the end, what we decided to do was we put lands in their own sheet uh, so they could be blackboarded. We decided, oh well, this is something that anybody could play with. It wasn't limited because you know lands looking different didn't cause any problems in actual play. Um, and we decided to put one per pack. We thought it was something kind of cool that everyone would enjoy. Um, and then on Glued, I sort of made them as big as I felt made sense. And then it's funny, because in Hinge, I'm like, you know, we could go further. Um, but in Glued, I, I, I liked a lot sort of the sense of just it opened up the idea of full-frame art. Um, and we would go on to obviously do full-frame art. Zendikar did full-frame lands. We've done full-frame artist promos. I and mean, that's another thing that kind of we experimented with um, that really sort of opened up um, what Magic cards could do. Um, now, a lot of the things for me, I mean, some of the cards were things that I tried to do in normal magic and, you know, just never quite made it in. Um, but a lot of the cards I did was more me saying, well, what space can we goof around in? So let me just talk about a few of the cards. Because um, So one of my favorite cards, maybe my favorite card, I, I love this card so much, uh, is the card Squirrel Farm. Um, and the idea was that... I liked the idea of a card that allowed you to put a skill that you might have that magic cards never test. And that skill was knowing artists. Um, and I built a Squirrel Farm deck when the set came out. So, um... Well, let me... I'll get back to the Squirrel Farm deck in a second. Uh, so, the the pre-release, which was at Gen Con that year. I, I built the decks to go play at Gen Con. That's where my story is going. Um, so let me explain this real quick, uh, and then I'll get back to Squirrel Farm. Uh... So, we were having this meeting about what to do. We decided that instead of having a wide pre-release, we're going to have a single pre-release. It's going to be a Gen Con. Um, and I was going to go. I was very excited. And, uh, and I was, my, my plan was I was going to head judge it. Um, uh, for those who don't know, uh, once upon a time, I was a level 4 judge. I used to judge the feature match area. I used to be in charge of the feature match area at Pro Tours. Uh, and so, I was very excited. I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a qualified judge. Uh, this is my set. And I wanted to make sure that the set at the pre-release captured the, the essence of what we wanted the set to be. Meaning, I really wanted to make sure we played up the fun of it. Um, so we were having some brainstorming meeting about like what to do with the pre-release, how to make it different. So you understand, at a, at a brainstorm, you're just tossing out ideas, right? So if someone says, oh, we could, you know, have confetti, or someone else is like, oh, maybe we can have... Um, people changed seats. Or people were just throwing ideas out. Now, the set had this theme of chickens, which I will also talk about that in a minute. Um, so in the middle of the meeting, I'm like, I'm like, we're just brainstorming. I'm like, uh, I can head judge in a chicken suit. Like, it's, the meeting comes to a, a halt. Like, it stops, and, and they're like, okay, yeah, that's what we're doing. Like, I thought we were brainstorming. No, you're head judging in a chicken suit. And I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> So anyway, so then we rent a chicken suit. Actually, I got a chicken suit, uh, which, by the way, gave me, like, I wore the chicken suit for the whole thing, and I ended up getting really sick because there was dust, I guess, on the feathers, and I got, like, pneumonia or something from it. Uh, not, not that I wouldn't have done it again in a heartbeat, but I got really sick being the head chicken. Uh, and then the way we, we ran the event was that we made up a list of things you got tickets for. Uh, and the tickets were from crazy, weird things, clucking like a chicken, you know, if you had a car that made you cluck like a chicken, or, um, or just pulling crazy things off, you know. And if you did that, then you got a number of tickets, depending on how hard the thing was to do. And then at the end, we raffled off lots of prizes. Oh, and also winning a match got you a ticket. So winning did something for you, but it really wasn't the, by far the only way to get tickets. There were a lot of ways to get tickets. Um, and so we really were encouraging players to be... Um, have fun, embrace it, you know. And, by the way, they, the audience took to it, like, like, that was an amazing pre-release. I mean, just, people were having a great time, and they were just wholeheartedly embracing the spirit of the set, which was awesome. Um, In fact, here's where I knew I had made a mistake. Uh, I'm walking down, and I hear the following. Uh, The first person says, "Um, okay, uh, I attack you. And the second person goes, wait, wait, wait. In response to your declaration of attack, I remove my pants, <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. Uh, so, Hurlund Wrangler, which has uh, denim walk. Um, one of the things I was trying was I wanted to make some simple cards, and so one of the ways to do that was to take basic abilities like land walk and you know just tweak them a little bit. And so I was thinking like, well, what is a common occurrence that might happen? Like, oh, where your opponent might be wearing jeans. It never dawned on me. I swear, I, as as God is my witness! It never dawned on me that people would take off their pants. Now, now I know in retrospect. If I thought about it for just really five seconds, I guess I could have seen that coming. But I, I honest, I honest to God. But here's the funny thing. So I didn't think people would take off their pants, but I did actually have a card in the original design that made people take off their clothes, kind of. Uh, it was called this scepter, like this disrupting scepter. And the way it worked was um, that. Uh, when you use it on your opponent, they would either discard a card or remove a piece of clothing. Um, I think in my head i was thought it might be something. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, Brand <laughs> rightfully uh, killed the card. Uh, I would later put the card in a hinge just so Brand would kill it again. She has this kind of tradition. Um, but anyway, just scepter did not make it. Uh, Her Minotaur did, although I don't think. Like I said, I, I didn't really. I did not anticipate that card. Anyway. Um, oh, the chicken theme. Um, so, uh, for some reason, when I started making cards, uh, I made a parody of Rook Egg called Chicken Egg. So Rook egg is a card from Arabian Nights that got repeated in a, a couple core sets, and basically put in play, it's an egg, the egg hatches, and it's a, a, a rock, I believe. Um, so I got this idea of making a chicken egg, I thought it was a funny parody, um, and, uh, I confused everybody because the, the token didn't fly, even though the rook token flies. Um, and, uh, but it was a chicken. I'm like, well, chickens don't fly. And then I later learned that the chickens do fly, although not very well. Uh, and then from that, I decided to make a cycle of chickens. And so um, i mean, got free-range chicken and mason chicken. And, um, and then once I had the chickens, I decided to make a lord of the chickens. Uh, chicken a la King, which I think I think that that joke came from my wife. My wife did a bunch of the jokes in the set, and I think Chicken a la King was her suggestion. Um, I think Chicken a la King might have my favorite piece of flavor text in the set, um, where it talks about during the Chicken Revolution. Uh, uh, I don't remember the quote, but it, it, it joked around about how he kept his head, but everyone else just ran around because they're chickens with so the heads cut off. <laughs> um, and uh, I love Chicken a la King. And anyway, once I realized there was a kind of a mini chicken theme, it started snowballing. Somehow, I guess we told some of the artists there was a chicken theme, and so some of the artists started putting chickens in their art. And anyway, the set ended up having a little mini of a chicken theme, which obviously is why I dressed as a chicken for the pre-release, which led to one of my odder occurrences at Wizards. So I'm walking down the hall one day, and Joel Meck, the guy who at the time was the head designer-developer, who was one people who gave this project to me, Stops me in the hall, and he goes, Mark, I have to ask you a question. I go, yes. And he goes, are chickens funny? And I'm like, what? He goes, I see there's a strong chicken theme in Unglued. Are chickens funny? And I'm like, why? Why, yes, they are. For example, the classic comedy tool, the rubber chicken. <laughs> I'm defending chickens to Joel, like, you know, the staple of comedy. Now, now, luckily for me, chickens are funny, so I was able to defend it. Um, but it is this very serious, like, like, Joel meant it. Like, he was like, am I using the right tool? Are chickens funny? So um, I, I was able to defend chickens. Um, and uh, uh, back to Squirrel Farm. See, I'm jumping around. See, this, by the way, for those that want to go, how does Mark Rosewater's brain work this is what the podcasts are for because I, bing, 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 I'm i just jumping around. This is how I think all the time. I'm just talking aloud. So you guys get to get experience the, the chaotic uh, mental uh, processing of, of me. Um, okay. So anyway, Squirrel Farm. So I liked the idea of making a card that rewarded you for knowledge that wasn't something that normally you get rewarded for. And so I loved the idea of, okay, well, do you know your artists? Um, I think art is a huge part of the game. Obviously, we have this wonderful uh, you know, contract of artists that do our art. They do an awesome job. And I thought it would be fun to, hey, pay them a little, a little due. Like, hey, do you know your artist? So the fun for me is I made, I made this deck for... So what happened was I was going to um, Gen Con. The pre-release was one day. Um, but the rest of the time I was going to be there, I was going to gunsling. I was going to gunsling with, with un, un, unglued decks. Um, and so I made a squirrel, a squirrel farm deck. And so the key to the Squirrel Farm deck was, other than my four Squirrel Farms, uh, I believe that I I tried not to, I had a lot of one-ofs. And even cards where I had duplicates, if I could, I would have multiple pieces of art. So the deck would just had all sorts of different pieces of art. Um, Because what I learned is, a lot of people don't know their art. But that wasn't the the best part of Squirrel Farm. That wasn't the best part. You know, I I could get lots of Squirrels. Uh, The best part of Squirrel Farm was showing them a piece of art and then figuring out how long you had to wait before you could show them the same piece of art. Um, and, and my deck, the, the the fun of my deck was I would get so many squirrels off the same cards. Like, literally, I'd have, like, three or four cards in my hand. I just would rotate between them. And and part of the skill of that deck was learning about how long people could process before you gave enough information that they forgot something they had learned three minutes earlier. Because, um, like, once... First of all, I show them the first time, they don't know it. Okay, they go, okay, okay, it's you know, Dan Fraser. Okay, it's Dan Fraser. And then I wait long enough, like, oh, who was that again? And then I, okay, Dan Fraser. okay, I gotta remember. That's Dan Frazier. And I would mix it up a little bit, They're like, who is that? Like, Dan Fraser. ah! You know. Anyway, I, I enjoyed my scroll Farm deck. Um, another deck I had, which I had a lot of fun, was, uh, was uh, uh, Mine, 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 which was um, a deck, I'm sorry, a card in which it allowed you to take all your library and put it into your hand. Um, in fact, by the way, the art for that, the guy in the art is Dan Jelen, because um, he did the card art, and he was the guy who did all the layouts I explained, so that is a little a little, a little, teaser. Oh, by the way, Dan Jelen, because he was both an artist and the guy working on the set, he did a lot of in-jokes, uh, one of which was uh, the Wheel of Fortune parody, uh, Strategy strategy all of the... Um, there's a wheel, and all the things on the wheel are the different suggestions for the unglued um, expansion symbol. Obviously, it went with the egg to match the chicken, um, but that was all the different things, and that was on there. And, once again, I talked about this earlier. Let me stress this again. One of the rules about unsets is I just try to cram in as many jokes as I possibly can cram into a set. That I, just, I, I look for every nook and cranny. There's jokes in the art. There's jokes in flavor text and, and um, oh, oh wait, i got to talk about the secret message. I've not talked about the secret message. Okay, so one of the ideas I had when we were doing this is, I said, okay, I want to cram lots of stuff in here. So one of the things I decided is, I'm going to make a secret message, and I'm going to hide the secret message in the cards. Now, at the time, Magic had never done a secret message, uh, and so I thought it was pretty cool to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to put something in there. So what we did was, down by the legal text, we put a word after the legal text. A little tiny, little tiny thing. Uh, And then for unglued, I made it simple. It was just in collective number order. Just put these together, collective number order. You had to notice they exist, then you had to think to put them together. And then we talked about a lot of things, but I wanted to sort of maximize the jokes. So what we ended up doing was, um, the, the, the hidden message was, here are some cards that didn't make it, And then, um, some of them were actual cards I tried to get in, that the name was funny, but, you know, the card wasn't funny enough to, it didn't play funny. Um, some of them were just, I don't know, names I thought were funny. Um, I think Disrobing Scepter might even be there. Uh, anyway, so I stuck this hidden message in, and and that's the kind of thing the set was doing. I just was like, what else could we do, you know? Uh... Um, and, and the, other, the other thing that I tried to do a lot of was I tried to play up a lot of different kind of jokes uh, like one of the jokes I'm very proud of is a card called uh, Bronze Calendar um, and the, the card is called Bronze Calendar um, and it was take off on Stone Calendar uh, so it, it Bronze Calendar did what Stone Calendar did which is it made your spells cost one less but you had to talk in a silly voice because it was on um, it also I made it cost what I always wanted Stone Calendar to cost because I love Stone Calendar, but I thought it was one too expensive. Um, but the art shows a bronze calendar, not a calendar. Even though the name is Bronze Calendar and the, the the flavor text makes some silly quote about, I mean, I'm just making fun of the kind of stuff we write. I had a lot of fun, by the way, with the flavor text. I was in charge of the name of the flavor text. Of trying to write, like, trying to parody the style of namings and flavor texts that we do. You know, that... Uh, like, one of my favorites is, uh, 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 what's it called? Le- Lexiv- Lexivore? Uh, the one that eats his own card. Um, and on it, there's a piece of flavor text you have to read because he's eating his own flavor text. So you have to piece it together. And we did this thing during Mirage where we would have some, exp- some thing and go, like, Elvish expression for blah, blah, blah. And so I it, uh, it was, like, you know, flinging the monkey. Uh, Elvis expression for plucking the chicken, you know. Uh, and where each name was circular and didn't mean sense to each other. Um, uh, I feel like I'm just throwing cards out here. So, Mind of Mind was fun. Uh, Incoming. Oh, I loved Incoming. So, Incoming was a card that just, you went through your library and you got, um, any number of permanents you want and put them into play. Uh, I made a Squirrel Farm deck, for example, when I went to uh, Gen Con. I made an Incoming deck. Um, and my Incoming deck killed you with BFM, I believe. Um... Uh, it would make a BF come into play, and then I, I did something to give it haste. Oh, probably... Uh, anyway, I did something to give it haste, so I could attack you with it right away. Um, incoming was fun. Uh, the other thing, for example, that we did... i mean, Incoming demonstrates this, is um, something that Dan Jelen did, which was awesome, was we did a lot of texturing. For example, if you look in the rules text, the text box... There's footprints behind it. This is before, by the way, before really we did water water watermarks and stuff, that the unsets, and and once again, paving the way for lots of different things, um, the unsets uh, were doing textured backgrounds, and like incoming has footprints in the background because you see something running. Um, And, uh, yeah, one one of the things that was fun, the, the way Dan and I would work is he would print up the card and show it to me. And I would make notes, and I'm like, oh, well, could we here? this show could be fun if we did this, and this would be fun if we did that. And we kept going back and finding new ways to break out things and new ways to change things. Um, oh, another thing that we had a lot of fun with is trying to... Um, we felt like we sometimes would use the flavor text um, to make visual treatments. The example there is the giant growth uh, the, the, you roll the dice for the giant growth um, not great at names at times but anyway the flavor text for that was a personal ad from the elf I guess who had been supersized I mean, supersized being the unhinged version but um, and it was like you know single white elf or whatever <laughs> um, but it looked like a little newspaper you know we did a lot of that kind of stuff um, oh here's another funny story so we did um, after we did Unglued we did market research on it. We did a god book study. Um, and so, the number one most disliked card was Black or Lotus. Uh, for those that don't know what Black or Lotus is, is it's a lotus that gets you 4 mana, but you have to rip it up to use it. Uh, and then the second worst card was Chaos Confetti. Chaos Confetti was... There's this urban legend about a guy who took his Chaos, uh, his chaos Orb and to win a game, ripped it into small pieces and used it as confetti to destroy his opponent's entire side. So... Um, I believe Jeff Donay actually gave me that card. Um, someone who used to run tournaments for Wizards. Was our tournament manager for a while. Um, and, uh, anyway, the, the card was a common and just was kind of having fun, like, hey, relive the, the urban legend, essentially. Um, and one of the things, by the way, that I loved is, like, that card, um, uh, Mark Dean, who did the original Chaos Orb, came and parodied his own work. And that was a lot of fun. I, I, I loved... The artist seemed to have a lot of fun with the set, which was really cool, and I I, I loved that. Um, anyway, uh, so we did this. Number one worst card on the, on the God Book was Black or Lotus. Number two worst card was Chaos Confetti. And the people doing the research came back to us and go, yeah, well, we, we can't find any correlation between these cards because we've looked at their flavor text and this and that and their names, and neither one seems to have a dislike in the same area. People seem to like the art, but I'm, I'm like... So you can't see why this is number one and number two. Like, well, perhaps you're not, like, you know, reading the cards. Uh, Anyway, it turns out people didn't like to rip up their cards. Who knew? Um, uh, I mean, we had some other mechanics we messed around with. Uh, We did dice rolling. That's another big thing. I really like dice rolling. I thought uh, dice rolling did fair in our garbage study. Not great. Um, Oh, here's another funny story. Speaking of dice rolling. So, Elvish Impersonator was one of the cards. Um, And Claymore J. Flapdoodle, um, who, by the way, just as a record, I I think it's very fair that he steals so blatantly from the lovely stylings of, um, of, uh, I I remember Claymore J. Flapdoodle and I'm blinking on uh, a wonderful artist that did lots of magic art in the early days, Phil Folio. Um, I, I am a little offended that Claymore J. Flapdoodle so, so blatantly stole what I felt from the, from the working of Phil Folio. But anyway, um, so we get the sketch in for um, Elvis Impersonator, and he had done early Elvis, um, you know, leather jackets. Are, and I, I'm like, no, 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 no. Look, Elvis Impersonators, like, they do old Elvis. I mean, when you think of stereotypical, so I, I wrote back my, because my, uh, I was doing all the card concepts. So one of the weird things about the set is I did the card concepting, I did the names, I did the flavor text. And I'm glued with, like, I, I, was, I was the guy doing everything on the set, you know what I mean? I had a lot of people give me stuff, so I had a lot of people submitting things, but I was in charge of all the different things going on. The guy was doing the layouts because I was helping with Dan, you know, making notes on that. And anyway, um, so I, I actually wrote back to uh, Claymore, and my note was, no, 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 old Elvis. <laughs> so he came back and gave us old Elvis. Um, I think there's some young Elvises in the background, maybe. Uh, his little nod to the wanting young Elvis. Um, mo- mostly what I said is, old Elvis is funnier. Uh, you know, we were trying to do comedy. Um, and a lot of the set, by the way, like, Joel stopped me in the hall. Um, it's funny that, like I said, my background's comedy writing, you know. I've done improv, I've done stand-up, I've written for sitcoms, you know. And um, so, I mean, I have a lot of background in comedy. And, like, normally in Magic, I don't get that much opportunity to sort of you know, use my comedy chops, if you will. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to just sort of go to town. I mean, I I love magic dearly, you know. And to me, to truly, truly parody something, you have to love the thing you're parodying. Because I feel like, you know, to, you have to really know it well to be able to parody. And I, I had this tons and tons of fun with Unglued, just going all over the place, you know, to try to just you know, get in every little joke I could. Like I said, part of it was being able to make fun of the style of naming we did or the style of flavor text we did. Because back then I was doing flavor text all the time. Um, Anyway, so I I put the set out. um, We go to Gen Con. We have an amazing, amazing um, pre-release. And what I found was the set found its audience... um, and it, it kind of connected with people in a way that few other sets I'd done, that I've, I've done had. And that, um, especially the first one. Because I mean, once we did the first one, then people knew we could do it. Where when we did the first one, hey, it didn't exist yet. Like, that's one of the important here. My little design lessons snuck in here is that it's very hard sometimes when you're doing something to understand that people don't know what they don't know. Your audience doesn't know. And that... When you show them something that they've never seen before, they don't know it's possible. They don't know it can be done till it's done. You know, sometimes for example, we'll come up with thing A and thing B and thing A is we think better than thing B, but thing A isn't working. And it's hard to go to B because A seems so awesome, but it's like while well, the audience doesn't know you had A, they never saw A, B is awesome. B will be fun to them. Don't don't kill yourself because you know A exists. You know, Um, But anyway, the set came out. The response was, I mean, with the target demographic, I I will say, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Now, a lot of people did not like the set because, hey, it it really is not meant for everybody. You know, there's people that take their magic very seriously. And, you know, here's a set where people are taking their pants off and rolling dice and ripping up cards. And, you know, I mean, another big thing I try to do is I wanted to have a strong... um, physical component. Um, I wanted to have a lot of verbal components. Um, oh, here's another good story. I feel like today is just, oh, here's a good story. Um, Night of the Hokey Pokey. So, the card was given to a guy named Kev. The artist was named Kev Walker. Uh, for people to know their art history. Uh, very, very big, influential magic artist. One of the, one of the best artists to ever do magic cards. Although I mean, we have amazing artists. But one, one of the you know, real top, top cream of the crop. Um, so he was given the card, knight um, uh, of the hokey pokey. Now he is English, for those that don't know this. So he wrote back uh, to our who's the art director at the time, Jesper Mirforce, maybe. Anyway, I'm not sure who was the art director at the time. But anyway, it came back, and the, the note was, "What is the hokey pokey?" Because the art description was, "Show this knight dancing the hokey pokey." And so we had to call him up, and uh, the art director had to say okay, well, see, you put your right hand in, you take your right hand out. <laughs> anyway, they described to him what the Hokey Pokey looked like so he could, he could draw it. Um, and like I said, the, the the thing that was hilarious for me that was a lot of fun was, right, I can make you click like a chicken or do the Hokey Pokey or, you know, balance things on your hand or hold your wrist together or, you know, or like censorship. Oh, here's another good story. So, censorship's art Um, uh, I believe the card was in Exodus, I'm thinking. And um, there's a woman, and we ended up cropping the bottom part of her because it was a little, I don't know, too revealing or something. They decided to crop the art because they they felt like it wasn't appropriate. So what we did is we took the cropped-out piece of art and then blurred things and, you know, and then censored it, basically. But the art to censorship is a censored piece of art. That's the kind of jokes, people. That's the kind of jokes that we're putting in. By the way, if you want, if you go online, I forget the name of it. I wrote an article in which I highlighted, I think, a 100 jokes from the for Unglue that you might not know. You know, like the fact that bureaucracy literally is held up with red tape. Um, Or that, you know, Spark B spelled backwards is craps. Because the card, you know, made you play craps. Um, That's another one, by the way. Spark Fiend is one where... I knew I wanted to have a little tiny art box and a giant text box, and I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but like, I eventually came up with the idea of, okay, we're going to play craps. We have dice, so let's play craps. Um, and then Spark Fiend... Spark backwards is craps, although with a K, but um, we, we, spelled, we thought we spelled it with People wouldn't, would get confused how to pronounce it. Um, but anyway, if you read that article, I have lots of jokes, and I explain them all. Um, like I said, uh, I don't know. It was, It was one of the most satisfying sets I've ever done. Um, I, I think both because um, I just had a blast doing it and because it, it kind of meant so much for me. I mean, I like competitive magic. I'm glad magic is something people can really demonstrate what they can do at, and I'm glad there, there is the Pro Tour and all that. But to me, in my heart, magic is fun. Magic is something that I've always enjoyed just enjoying, you know, and that... To make a set which really, you know, climbs the building, and screams at the top of his lungs, Magic is fun! You know, I'm, I'm just glad to be... To have a big part to do with that. And, I mean, Unglued was... Like I said, one of the most personal things I've ever done. One of the things I'm proudest of. Uh, it's had a huge impact on Magic. You know, it's funny how much... Like, when I... You know, every time I, I go to pitch, you know, a new unset, I keep trying to hit the point of look. We learn so much from unsets. Unsets are like kind of beta, the ultimate beta test, where we, we try things and to the point in which the audience tries them too. Um, and I I really believe that unsets are an awesome thing. I, I love the message they give. I love what they do for design. You know, and you know, it was awesome. I really enjoyed doing it. I'm now at work. In fact, I've been at work for uh, a couple minutes here why today's is slightly longer than normal um, also it rained today you know why today's was a longer thing because seattleites cannot drive in the rain but today's an extra long special thing because it was an extra special set so i'm here i gotta go i hope you enjoyed my talking on glued and it's time to make the magic cards